0: Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. CDT. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Tim Hoagland, CDT's lead designer, digital stratist, and resident podcast engineer, and I'll be sitting in for Brian today. And it's time to talk tech. Last episode, we chatted with CDT's Privacy and Data Team, breaking down the tough decisions we made putting pen to paper on our private, our draft privacy legislation. If you haven't read it or heard it yet, make sure you take a look or listen. But today with us, uh, very excitingly, we have uh, Susan Crawford, author and a professor at Harvard Law School. Uh, she's here today to tell us about uh, her most recent book, Fiber, The Coming Tech Revolution and Why America Might Miss It. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Let's start off. um, Let me start off by saying this book is uh, wonderfully approachable. Um, I got a chance to read it. You'll be doing an event later with uh, Chris Calabrese, our VP of um, policy, and he's gotten a chance to read it. We compared notes and such, but lovely. Um, But this topic can be dense. Um, Would you uh, dig into a little bit why you wanted to write this or how this book came about?
1: Well, Internet access has been really interesting to me for a number of years. I mean, I happened to be a young lawyer when the commercial Internet first showed up. And actually, I got involved with CDT back then, too. Um, and especially in my work at the beginning of the Obama administration, I began to learn that uh, Internet access in the United States is A, not great, and B, uh, there's a huge digital divide between rural and urban areas, between poor people and richer people. And then I was fortunate enough to travel quite a bit to Korea and Japan and Sweden and other places that have extraordinary fiber optic internet access everywhere, really 100% penetration. And there I decided that there was a story there that Americans needed to understand, the story of what could be, how great fiber optic technology is, and Mm. I'd love to explain that, Mm. and uh, also the story of about 800 scrappy locations in the United States that are working towards taking their destiny in their own hands and calling for um, fiber optic, it's called last mile technology, so actual fiber strands running into homes and businesses in those communities.
0: What? Well, you posited the question, let's give you the, the space for it, what could be? If your best uh, intentions were made uh, clear, some of the stuff that you, you've written about in this book, what, what would that future look like?
1: Well, imagine being able to have just a pane of glass between you and the rest of the world for anything you wanted to do with no delay and no worry about how much it was going to cost. Things like data caps and overages would be irrelevant in this future world because fiber optic has essentially unlimited capacity as far as we know Mm -hmm. and when deployed allows you to be present essentially in another location with no latency no jitter no worries and you don't have to think about whether it's going to work or not it just does Mm -hmm. and that's what i experienced in these other countries and although we're the country that came up with the idea of the internet protocol and certainly the place where the first generation or so of internet innovation started we should be looking the rest of the world in the rearview mirror when it comes to internet access but we really aren't we think we're exceptional here in the united states it turns Mm -hmm. out that we're becoming increasingly more like a third world country when it comes to internet access
0: i was i mean especially when you think about um that reality in much different parts of stretches of our country um that's well known that that the um the, the internet reality isn't the same for everyone. What let's take a, a step back here and and give the basics of some of the the, the fiber that we're talking about. What is fiber optic infrastructure, uh, why is it important, et cetera. You've given that kind of high level stuff. Let's talk about about the the what exactly.
1: Well fiber is amazing. Mm. So it's completely synthetically printed glass in essence. So every layer of many thousands of layers of uh, very thin glass tubes are um, created in a very precise manufacturing process to make the resulting hair-thin strand of glass as pure as you can possibly imagine. What Mm. that allows for is uh, light, carrying information, to be shot through that glass and never need to be encouraged as it travels dozens of miles. So without amplification, without boosting, without anything... Light just keeps going through that glass.
0: Sure, and, and importantly, it not having to travel through airwaves, which is a, a different um, technological um, difficulty, right? The idea well, well, here being that there's a physical space and not one that has to be shot over airwaves.
1: Well, the, the real difference is that there's no rain or trees or anything like that huh. inside the glass, that it's, uh, it's just space, and as far as we know, uh, as photonics get incredibly um, advanced, mm-hmm. you can have different f- colors of light carrying different modulation schemes or ways of hiding information in that light mm-hmm. through that glass, which means, as far as we know, once the glass is in the ground, it's virtually it has virtually unlimited capacity to carry data. So you can imagine your old copper wire that maybe your parents had DSL running Sh- over. Sure, yeah. I think of that as a two-inch wide Uh, strand, and in comparison, this would be a 15-mile-wide river of data flowing in both directions, which means uh, you can be present. You can have eye contact with other people, really no limit to the amount of data that can be um, sent in both directions.
0: Wow. Latency would be a thing of the past.
1: That's the idea, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So let's... (laughs) uh, You mentioned a little bit, and this is one of the reasons why... um, this book is so important, it talks about how we might inevitably miss some of this this tech revolution, the uh, utopia uh, that you so wonderfully posited in that first question. Uh, why are we behind the eight ball here, or how are we behind the eight ball?
1: Well, this didn't happen because of magic, it mm. happened because of a failure of policy over the last 20 years or so, mm. and particularly in the last 15 years. Um, we deregulated the entire high-speed internet access segment mm-hmm. and left it to the companies to decide who to serve with what technology. And as a result, we've got about five major uh, US ISPs, um, Comcast, Charter, at and Verizon, and CenturyLink. And this stuff is expensive to build, and sure. so they've systematically divided markets. They don't compete head-to-head most of the time. You're lucky here in Washington. There's more competition here than in many parts of the country. And uh, the phone companies have mostly become wireless carriers, not so interested in having wires anymore. Mm. So for a lot of metro areas, your only choice is your cable provider, which is probably a local monopoly. Mm. And they have no particular incentive to charge you less or to upgrade to fiber. Mm. So that's the basic story that because there's been no oversight and no competition, uh, the companies have been left to decide who to serve and on what terms. And that means that for a lot of people it's unaffordable, whatever service is available. For a lot of people there is no service available. And for, even for those who can afford to pay a very high monthly subscription price, um, it's second-class service depend, compared to what you might be able to get in Paris or Hong Kong or Tokyo or Seoul.
0: Wow, yeah. my goodness! I mean, certainly against the the idea that competition helps uh, uh, benefit the user most, right? Uh, the consumer the most. Um, how did these things play into you? You touch on um, uh, different topics like health and education mm-hmm. uh, in particular. How are those those sectors or industries really hurting with, without it, and and how would it best benefit from it?
1: Well, again, this amazing idea of eye contact and human presence is really the killer app for these networks. That you could be in the classroom, not just kind of lurking in some distant place, really feel like a first-class citizen there, that you could be with a doctor. Uh, Remote operations become absolutely possible. A lot of mental health assistance to people in very remote areas with this eye contact and empathy and compassion is a real thing. And the ability to just be able to work where you live rather than live where you work is an enormous benefit to people who don't want to leave where they grew up and sure. maybe want their kids to be able to stay there sure. without tremendous communications capacity all of that becomes extremely difficult and what ends up happening is that you have some parts of the country living several decades behind what people for example in China will be experiencing
0: wow that's Incredible. It's and it's uh it's particularly uh potent now as we start to think about I think the the technology and privacy conversation happening on the Hill right now is is also part of a conversation about why are um in particular the the example that there aren't enough um I T jobs being filled cybersecurity jobs et cetera why why isn't our education system better serving some of those things right mm-hmm. um thinking about how education can be benefited by this kind of technology. You mentioned different um, uh, communities, uh, different cities, things, places that are doing it well and, and places that are, are struggling uh, in particular in this book. How are small communities across the country finding different ways to be more competitive? How are they building uh, investing in this fiber technology?
1: Well, there's some amazing stories that I lay out in the book. Take for example about two hours outside of Minneapolis, there's mm-hmm. a area that's it's pretty remote, pretty rural, but there are 18 townships there and 17 little towns. They've all banded together to provide fiber to the farm. Wow. And they uh, issue general obligation bonds uh, backed by the towns, and they're very proud of themselves. And a new medical school is moving to the area. They're very hopeful that their kids will stay there. That's a big part of the story. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's called RS Fiber, and it's one of my favorite stories. Also, a lot of people know about Chattanooga, and I spend a ton of time there working on this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, it's really part of decades of self-improvement that Chattanooga's been going through. Yeah. They were once the dirtiest city in America. Uh, they have beautiful hills outside the city, but they had lost a lot of industry, and their downtown was just horrible. And so starting 20 years ago, they redid their um, riverfront and rebuilt their downtown and then encouraged their electrical utility to go into the fiber business. So today, Chattanooga has the best internet access in America, 10 gigabit connections, symmetrical, and not very expensive, and uh, available across the city. Um, And they're seeing a lot of new businesses move in and a whole new flavor to that city. So that's it's exciting. Now, the work isn't done in Chattanooga. They've mm-hmm. got to make sure that their high school graduates can take those jobs. And they are now pivoting, using what they learned and working together on fiber, mm-hmm. to taking on inequality and terrible health outcomes and worries about education. This is part of a whole range of things that cities can do to help people lead thriving lives
0: that's a perfect um segue to the very last question that i wanted to ask which is in a a a section of this book gets to uh inequality and how fiber can help uh places address inequality in large uh uh in in large swaths of different domains whether it be uh social etc etc how Mm how uh Give us either uh, any, a, a, another example of a, a place that's doing that well or, or just an overview of how that uh, places might be able to do that.
1: Well, one way of thinking about inequality that's really moving to me is uh, thinking about what it takes to have a, a decent life. Uh, how do you show respect to every American? We've done that in the past by ensuring that everybody got inexpensive phone service, a basic education, all these elements of just living a thriving life. Mm. Today, a crucial element to living in the 21st century and living this respectable, decent life, getting the education that you need and the healthcare you need, does involve having a fiber connection that's reasonably priced and ubiquitous. And that's possible. It's present in many countries in the world. In fact, China plans to have 80% of its homes connected to fiber optic in Mm. the near future. Um, And they will have a giant market to play with, a giant middle class that has this affordance and can be working on the new jobs of the future and the new industries of the future. Those aren't gonna come from the United States. So rather than thinking about inequality as redressing income distribution and uh, uh, making sure that um, amounts of money are spread more evenly across the country, I prefer to think of it in terms of respect. What's basic? What does everybody need? Mm -hmm. And for me, a key element is terrific and cheap and symmetric Internet access. That's
0: incredible. It really is. And this this little conversation, albeit uh, a bit rambling on my part, is a wonderful little slice of this book, I encourage you all to read it. Where can we find this book, Susan? You
1: can find this book anywhere, and particularly at your local independent bookstore. Yes,
0: we (laughs) wholeheartedly (laughs) approve that message. Um, Once again, thank you, Susan, for spending time with us today, and we look forward to your continued research. I'm sure we'll we'll see more. Um, Thanks. Thank you. And that is it for this episode of Tech Talk. Find these episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, as well as Stitcher and TunedIn. Remember to check out Susan's book wherever you can find it online or, more importantly, your independent bookstores. I'm Tim Hoagland. Thank you for listening.